Hey, Chloe. Hey, Raf. How are you going? I'm awesome. How are you? I'm really, really good. There's just been a big rainstorm here in Sydney and it's all feeling really fresh and lovely, actually. Mm. What's it like in Melbourne? I wouldn't know. Last time I left the house was June. <laughs> I was going to say, was it last year? <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Of, of what year? Yeah, of so, what year? So um, today uh, we're going to... Talk about hands-on assists. Yeah. And are we just going to bash the shit out of them? What are we going to do? No. I don't want to – I I just – let's just have a a discussion. It's been something that's been on my mind um, a lot of late. Um, Yeah, I'd like to have a discussion about it. So you'd like to have like like a nuanced discussion? Yeah, I would like to have a nuanced discussion. Okay. Uh, yeah, are you are you cool with that? Yeah. Well, firstly, what are hands-on assists? How right. Do you, okay. Yeah. Hmm, it's a good question. So, how do you know if you're giving you know, your hands-on assist or not? Well, you're touching. You're touching a client, uh, right? Okay. Got it. So, so I, you know, uh, back when pre-COVID, pre-COVID, when I used to work in a, you know, face-to-face studio, when I used to go outside. And you used to go outside, so it's this distant memory. But a big part of teaching and and what I thought was being a good teacher was offering that extra something-something. And this is what I want to talk about. What was that something-something? What even is that something-something? And is it even relevant or slash necessary? But part of being a Pilates teacher, instructor, whatever you want to say, was that you would touch your clients, and the 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 touching was to um, I well I think there was a few reasons to it. One was to facilitate um, some sort of motor learning, mm-hmm. so some sort of you know Help get extra it. nuance to them to the yeah to them mm-hmm. to a movement. Um, also, I guess uh, the, a sense of um, human connection, mm-hmm. contact, therapeutic alliance, potentially, potentially. I don't know, um, potentially. I mean, my my understanding and my thought processes on this have changed a lot um, since March when, you know, I haven't touched <laughs> a client since March. Yeah, and we used to teach, I mean, now this, this, was a, this was a big part of our course, right? Like we used to teach people about hands-on assist, you know, that was a, that was a big focus in the course up until... It, it was okay. a big focus yeah. in the course, and if anyone scrolls through my Instagram feed, you will see many videos of me facilitating, you know, doing hands-on assists and mm. talking about them and saying, hey, here's a really great hands-on assist to help someone with teaser on the long box or mm. snake or et cetera, et cetera. And I've been thinking too about hands-on assists and, you know, maybe the distinction between a hands-on assist and a spot, for instance, like okay. spotting someone so who's doing so. If I'm doing front splits, standing up for the first time, and I'm worried I'm going to fall over, yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, or if I'm doing the the walkover on the Cadillac, you know, for those who don't know, that's kind of you know, you're going upside down. There's some population. You're spinning around. You're coming back. You know, I, I know personally, I like a bit of a, a spot when I do that, and I feel more confident teaching it when I'm spotting a client. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And then there's you can you can use hands on assist yeah. to help someone like deepen a stretch. You know, you can kind of you know pull them or push them or squeeze them a bit deeper into it. That mm. can, and that can feel nice. Mm. Mm. And then, and then you know, I'm seeing all these. You know, this this sparked in my brain again last night when I came across quite a few sort of Pilates infomercials on, you know, on Facebook, et cetera, mm. where, you know, the hands-on assist is going from like this constant touching micromanagement of uh, someone's movement. So it's like we were never, touching we never their taught tummy, that. like pulling in on their yeah. tummy and like touching in between their legs and on their butt and yeah, on the, no. and I'm like. Just disclaimer, like, that was, that we never taught that. That was not. We never, no. we never taught that. We never taught that. This is correct. And I'm like, why? What, you know, so this is what I want to talk about today. Mm. This is what I want. I want to delve into this a bit. Well, I want to, I want to start out by saying I saw, um, uh, this is pre-COVID obviously, but I saw some, uh, again, scrolling through my Insta feed or whatever, I saw some ad, video ad for some place in Melbourne here, I think it was in South Yarra, that basically it's you're stretching, but you just go, basically they stretch you, like you go and lie on a table oh, and then those, they yeah. pull on your arms and legs and stuff. And I, I looked at it and I, th- I thought, that looks awesome, you know. I mean, if I, if I had a million dollars, you know, after I got kind of a personal masseuse and a personal chef and, you know, someone to do the dishes every night and whatever, I would get someone to come around every day and would you? Yeah, and stretch me. Because stretching like feels good, but it's so boring and hard work, you know. So isn't that interesting? Because I couldn't think of anything worse. Huh. I would hate for some. I a and and this might come as a shock to everyone. I don't like stretching. Probably won't come as a, a shock to those that, that have ever met you. How, yeah. how stiff I move, but. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I hold no value in stretching in my own body personally. No, but if, I, I don't, you know, I've read all the literature on stretching and, you know, I don't want to get into conversation about stretching, but I just, it feels nice. You know, I like doing it right. for me. Yeah. Okay. You know? So I, I can, anyway, I guess it, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to argue that a lot of people enjoy it mm-hmm. um, and that, you know, you can enjoy it. Some people enjoy it more when someone else is pulling or pushing or sitting on them, you know, because then you don't have to, especially someone like me, because I'm kind of tight and I'm also really strong. And so like when I'm trying to stretch, it's like, it's so freaking hard work for me to get a stretch because okay. I have to, I have to literally sit downstairs with weight, with 25 kilo weight plates on my legs in right. a butterfly to get a stretch. If I just sit there in a butterfly, it does not stretch at all. My knees are about like a hundred miles off the ground. But right. I'm not feeling a stretch just because the muscles are tight and or the fascia or whatever the heck is tight. Who knows? Who cares? But you know, it's tight and strong. But you have I, a sensation of 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 stiffness. Yeah, but I have so no you, sensation I, of stretch. Right. Okay. Until someone pushes so, on my legs, then it feels good. So I'm envisioning like Bintu could potentially yeah. come down and stand on your back. Oh yeah, so we, Bintu is Raf's daughter. We yeah. stretch together, and she does that. Yeah. But you know, she's only 13. She's not very heavy. That's the only thing. Right. You know. Right. Okay. Okay, so what you're saying there is a hands-on assist uh, could be enjoyable. Yeah, what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is, like, I, I would like to, you know, maybe it would be useful to distinguish between, you know, these kind of categories of, like, okay, helping someone get into a position they couldn't get into by themselves unless they had a couple of 25-kilo weight plates Yeah. Um, versus 
facilitating motor learning for somebody who's learning a new move and doesn't really understand what to do. And you can mm. kind of guide them through it, you know, by pushing on, pulling on their knee or their back or their shoulder or whatever, putting mm. them in the right spot. And then there's this third category, which is the kind of like, well, I guess maybe it's kind of a subcategory of, of the motor learning one, but it's kind of like, I don't know, I guess I'd call it, I, I, I want to call it like clingy slash, I don't know, the word that keeps coming to my mind is kind of like perverted motor learning because, and I don't mean, yeah. I don't mean to sound like weird or creepy about that because it, that's not my intent. That's not what I want, what I want to express, but uh, in, in, I'm not implying any kind of sexual issues or anything like that on the, on the part of the people doing the, the queuing there. But what I'm, what I'm trying to get at um, clumsily is that we know um, from a, from the motor learning literature that manual, you know, by hand, Guidance can be really helpful at the very beginning stages of motor learning, but very quickly mm -hmm. you have to stop doing it. And if you keep doing it and the client's been coming for two years and you're still like guiding their hips through the movement, it's like, nah, that's not helping them. It's actually hindering them from becoming self, you know, from becoming autonomous and, and mm. empowered in the movement. Mm. Yeah. And for me, then that goes down that micro, like <laughs> that micro, that seeming to need in some for some teachers, this need to micromanage another's mm, body, mm. Uh, and and also, uh, and this might seem a bit controversial, but whether there is also some ego wrapped up into it, it's like you need my hands to touch each part of your body in regards to this for you to fully experience. This movement. I think, yeah, I 100% agree. And I think it actually goes beyond uh, hands-on, you know, cueing or assists or whatever you want to call it. And I think it's, it's for many people, it's actually, you know, possibly, you know, uh, implicit, you know, they haven't thought about it or expressed it, you know, consciously necessarily, but, but implicit in the, the notion of being a Pilates quote teacher, unquote, uh, I don't mean to put quotes around that. I mean, you know, being a Pilates teacher is hmm. that you 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 know they well, many people I guess conceive of Pilates are teaching as something that you actively do all the time. So like you know you can see someone teaching and if they're not doing anything, therefore they're not teaching. You know, so teaching is a thing that you do, and therefore hmm. when you're doing the teaser, and if I'm you know teaching you the teaser, well I have to be doing something the whole time in order to you know earn my pay. Like I have to be telling you what to do verbally or demonstrating, even if this is our 50th session together and you've done the teaser like 400 times and you know the drill, you know, like, you know, if I'm teaching, because I see this all the time on social media when people are, you know, teaching Pilates, you know, like there's a snippet of someone teaching. It's like the so-and-so is teaching their client to do the parakeet or whatever. And it's like the person doing it is like obviously fucking awesome at it. You know, yeah, they're doing it. They're has, doing the thing. Has done it like ten thousand times before. Is you know, could put it in a textbook. Virtuoso level, as right? A, this is how you do it, right? The and yet, the person quote teaching them is like telling them, now put your foot here, now reach and lift and stretch. And it's like I think yeah. they know how to do it. <laughs> so yeah. we have this you know notion, I think you know, ingrained in kind of the idea of teaching that it's something mm. that you do. It's not. Mm. It's not some. It's like. But actually, the you know the how teaching actually works is it's about facilitating learning, 
And so you mm. can't actually see teaching happening. You can see learning happening. And, you know, there are certain things that can facilitate learning and enhance learning. But, you know, whether the teacher's like doing stuff doesn't tell you whether they're actually teaching. Mm. And look, I have been guilty of this. And I guess this is why I'm finding this a really interesting topic at the moment and something that I have been thinking about and reflecting on as a teacher, you know, and I have taught Pilates now for for eight years and a lot of that was done in a face-to-face setting where I absolutely was touching my clients um, and, and, and saw that as something that I needed to ensure I did with every single client yeah. in front of me at least X amount of times per class. Me too. Because because that equated to me being a good teacher. That was what they were coming for. This is all the things I'm thinking, you know, that, that you know, and if I wasn't doing that, I wasn't doing my job, right? So what I found really fascinating is then, you know, March 2020 hit and I was in Sydney and the face-to-face, you know, Pilates studios shut down due to COVID. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, oh, what am I going to do? I'm such, you know, I'm such a face-to-face hands-on teacher. This is, this is my identity. This is what I know. This is, you know, what I'm really good at. You know, what, what, how, what, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this online? How is this, you know? And I thought, okay, look, let's give this a go. And, you know, I set up uh, an online reformer class um, with with 10, 10 clients. And I remember thinking those first couple of times, I'm going to need to be mindful of the repertoire I teach because I'm not going to be able to, you know, pull on anyone's feet as they're coming into teaser on the long box. I'm not going to be able to guide someone's hips as they're doing, you know, snake or coming into twist for the first time. I'm not mm-hmm. going to be able to X, Y, Z. Is that then unsafe? Or spot is them that when they're then, doing tendon stretch. Yeah, you, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, is this a different experience now? And what really, really opened my eyes is I noticed I was a bit, I was a bit more cautious mm-hmm. than I normally am with my teaching um, for those first couple of lessons. And then what dawned on me was the people in front of me that were taking part in my in my classes, they were just figuring it out on their own. Mm. Like, and no one was going, oh, shit, I'm going to like all of a sudden bust out a headstand. I've never done a headstand before, but I'm going to do it, you know. And then people were like <laughs> sensible and, you know, worked to their own capacity right and the the less parameters i put on what repertoire i was going to teach because i thought i had to the more they progressed to the point that i went hey wait a second chloe so why have you taught them everything now in the advanced repertoire on the reformer but you still haven't taught them high bridge huh. what what's putting you off high bridge and i and you know and i sat down and i had a I had to talk to myself about it because there was some fear in me because every time in a face-to-face setting that I have taught high bridge, so for those that don't know high bridge, you know, your feet, you're on about two full springs, your feet are, the footbar's up, feet are on the footbar, hands come onto the shoulder post and you actually push yourself up into, for want of a better word, a wheel, yeah, a high full, bridge. Full back bend. 
fullback bend. Once you're up there, you can push the carriage out and in with your legs. You can hold, you can lift and lower a leg. There's, you know, different nuances up there. You know, first time you go up there, <laughs> you kind of, you know, you're looking behind you, you can get a bit disoriented, et cetera. Like it's a tough exercise, right? And I think, you know, every time I taught it in a face-to-face setting, I had stood next to my client, I had had my hand underneath them on their lower back and I had assisted them up and then I kept my hand there throughout their movement pattern. This was the first time ever in my teaching life in eight years that I had just taught that exercise without being in the same physical space with someone else. Mm. Guess what? No one died. Oh, I was just going to guess they all exploded. (laughs) No one exploded. No one died. And you know what was really cool? They figured out modifications for themselves. So they figured out steps. They're like, okay, I was able to push myself up into my head today. That felt great. That was enough today. Or I kept my hands down on the reformer. That was really empowering. So with my hands down on the reformer, I was able to get up into the bridge or I loaded on some extra springs or I did the back bend over the box with the hands on the rails instead of like, so what I thought was really indicative of my role with a hands-on assist, which for me was spotting and facilitating motor learning, turns out the humans and human bodies are really, really smart Mm. and can figure this stuff out themselves. So here's me now going, well, am I potentially doing a disservice? And this loops back into you going, well, hands-on assist from a motor learning perspective can be really handy early on. Mm. But I tell you what, in a face-to-face Pilates setting, we don't just do them early on. No. We do it as part of the service yeah. from from beginners to advanced, from the person who's walked in and sat on the reformer for the first time ever in their life to the person that's been going to Pilates for 10 years. Well, I think this is, um, it really comes back to this kind of notion of the, the te- you know, the fundamental view that the teacher is at the center of the class rather than the client being at the center of the class and and if if the teacher's at the center of the class and the classes are something that the teacher gives and and we're providing value in lots of different ways you know we're we're choosing cool music and we're giving good hands-on assists and we're layering the exercises up and all that kind of stuff And, and it's up to us to make the experience but you know actually I think an alternative view and the one I favour is the one where the client's at the centre of the class and the class is Mm. there for the client's experience and the client's progress and the client's Mm. achievement and empowerment. And it's like Mm -hmm. your job there is to just, you know, get the shit out of the way that's going to stop them Mm. from achieving that, you know, like to just not put shit in their way. And and part of stuff that gets in people's way (laughs) is like- I love that, Raph, so much. (laughs) I love that. Well, you know, I think, you know, and, and not just not to devalue what teachers do, right? Because no, people come to Pilates, why don't they just do it at home by themselves? Because one, exactly. they, they're not motivated, it's, there's community, that you know, there's all kinds of yeah. benefits that come. And, and you can give somebody, you know, uh, like uh, assistance in learning, you know, you can help them learn something more, more, you know, more quickly, more fully, more deeply. So, you know, 
we can definitely provide value, but I think, yeah, just that fundamental shift for me from like, yeah, the, the Pilates class is about the, the instructor to actually it's about the client. And that means that like a lot of the time the instructor might just be doing nothing. You know, it's like just watching the client do their thing. If the client's, if the client's winning, it's like you don't, no action is required, you know? And give, give positive praise. Like, you know, we know, we know from the scientific literature in regards to motor learning that positive, positive praise married with movement, um, you know, doing the thing leads to a, a longer and more sustained learning outcome. Uh, well, I'm going to, so, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, slightly tweak that uh, okay. and send it back to you and say that uh, positive feedback as in like telling them when they do something right, you know, so hey, your foot's in exactly the right place there or, you know, your legs are, you know, your legs really straight. That's exactly how it's meant to be. You know, so telling them, you know, pointing out when they're doing something right as, you know, that definition of positive, absolutely. But actually praise, you know, saying, oh, you're awesome, um, can be good but should be used judiciously because it 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 uh, leads to extrinsic motivation. So basically the client then, you know, wants more praise. You know, they want you to like uh, them, yeah. right? And so they're, they're, they're doing it because they want you to, you know, to like them basically rather than, and we know that like long-term when people really get good at things, it's because they, they transition to this intrinsic motivation um, where they, the joy of doing the thing is why they do the thing, you know, uh. and doing it well is more joyful, you know, so they just want to do it better because it feels better to do it better, mm. you, know? you know, just like inherently the joy of just of doing it you know, and doing it well. Mm. So, yeah. So I'm, gonna- I'm all for throwing out some your awesomes as well, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you come to my class, Ralph, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out some your awesomes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm all for it as well. And and I think you're I awesome, Chloe. <laughs> Thanks, Ralph. So, um, so yeah, I really, I really love that. And that's that sense too of stepping away from the ego, isn't it? As a teacher and, and really pushing it, pushing it out, mm. <laughs> you know, away from self. Mm. And um, yeah, and and I also think too when we when we're talking about hands-on assists, um, with it being so sort of um, what's the word, I, word I'm looking for aligned with you know it's what Pilates is, well Pilates and hands-on assists. And I kind of want to reflect back a little on you know what we know of. Good old Joe, Joe Pilates and and Joe's gym, and I mean we see some really cool, you know. There's definitely some awesome vintage home footage of of Joe teaching, and there's some definitely some firm hands-on assists, and there's some relatively mm, what are those hands-on assists too? <laughs> that seemed to be, you know, <laughs> he was pretty hands-on in you know handsy places that you you just wouldn't do today mm-hmm. as well, you know, so we can definitely evolve from that. But my understanding, you know, when we would look at, you know, you know, we listen, we read Cage Lion, you know, John Howard Steele's recount of, of being taught firsthand by Joe and we listen to, you know, uh, John talk about being taught by Joe and it was, you know, you'd work with Joe or Clara or whoever on a one-on-one basis until, you know, you got the thing, 
and then you were left to your own devices. Yeah, just by self. You did it yourself. So you didn't actually come in and do a specific class with Joe, Clara, et al. Once you knew the thing, no, you came into Joe's gym at any random time, and I want to call it Joe's gym because it was gym, not a studio, and I love that it was a gym. You came into Joe's gym, you put your $5 in the jar as you walked in, and you did your workout. You did it yourself. And, and you may or may not receive any feedback during that hour. And you may or may not receive any feedback. Exactly. And, and, and you did your workout. It was autonomous. And what I get too from him, you know, writing Return to Life with, with his mat work, 34 mat work exercises in it, well, it was the ultimate home workout, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Alice and I have talked about this before. It's like it's one of the first at-home workouts. Mm-hmm. You buy the book. You learn each exercise on your own bit by bit by studying the photos, reading the words that go with it, practicing it in your own body until you get proficient that you can run through 1 to 34 from beginning to end without stopping with the reps that he prescribes in the book without any external intervention. So, so where yeah. does that So where does that leave hands-on assists, you know, post-COVID. So, you know, because some mm. of us are still in lockdown and, you know, online classes are now a big thing. And I think my, my belief is there, my prediction is they're here to stay. Um, but, you know, there's still in-person classes happening and uh, most of it's social distancing. So there are fewer people in the room and, you know, touching generally frowned on. But, I've, you know, I've heard rumours of people doing hands-on assists now already, you know, not sure I'm crazy I've about seen it. Some, I've seen some video evidence of it, yes. And again, I also not sure I'm crazy about it. Um, just yeah, from, a, the, just from an infection mask, control perspective. The, the mask on but the hands-on assist still happening yeah, confuses yeah, me. Yeah, I'm, I'm really like, is the mask giving some sort of, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, there's, like, I don't there's know. There's some like kind I, of joke about a, a condom there or something, but I can't quite pull it together, <laughs> you know. It's like, <laughs> but if in, in in the hands of somebody just a little bit sharper, it would be a, a hilarious moment. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like you say, wearing the mask and it's like, but then touching. So Wearing the mask, it's yeah. Just, yeah, it's not making sense to me. I just think what's going on there. And so for me, it's coming down to why, why are those Pilates instructors thinking it is such a necessary thing to do. And I'm not I'm not here to say we should never do hands hands on assists or they don't have value. I am not that is not what I'm here arguing. I'm saying we should think about it more critically. We should think about it more from a motor learning perspective and is it truly a value add or not or is it just ego getting in the way and we're just doing it mm. out of habit and because we think it is synonymous with Pilates. Mm. And and I will be the first to put my hand up and say, yes, I thought it was son- synonymous with Pilates until COVID hit mm. and until I had time to see things in a different way and experience things in a different way mm. and think more critically. And I would to I be would honest. I would agree with everything you said and I'd also just add that is it also maybe part of a tied up with a sense of, you know, to earn your money you have to do stuff, you know, and rather than to earn your money you need to enable an experience 
you know, and a result yeah. for the client. Yeah. And, and that's sort of whether you're working hard or sitting on your ass in the corner is kind of irrelevant to that as long as you are able to facilitate that result mm. and that experience for the client. Mm. You know, it's like you don't have to work hard. I mean, you could work hard or not. You know, you could do mm. stuff or not. And if the client walks out at the end of this class going, wow, that was awesome, mm. then yay, job done. Mm. Well, I, again and again, my for me, and this doesn't have to be for everyone, but for me, my job, the way I see my job is to ultimately facilitate fearless movement. Mm. And, and fearless movement is a whole nother podcast in itself because we can, you know, really delve into that. But it, I need to keep coming back to what I see my job role as, and that's what I see my job role as. Do I need to touch people to facilitate that? Hell no. Nah. Hell no. And But, you know, it, in a very distant future, you know, after COVID vaccines and whatever, it's like, yeah, it would be nice to give someone a hug one time. Yeah. Oh, Raph, I can't wait. Like, I'm, I'm all for a hug. <laughs> and you know what? The the most the thing I loved most about <laughs> the in face-to-face with my clients was the hugs that we had at the beginning of the end and the, the high fives and the, you know, absolutely. And again, as I said, I'm not here saying that, you know, I, I haven't got people experiencing, you know, teaser on the long box for the first time by giving them a, a, a firm tug uh-huh. by their feet, right? Uh-huh. But now I can see, guess what? They'll get there themselves. They yeah, just, tell, they will just get say, them hey, themselves. lie down, now sit up. Well, push into the straps. I can find <laughs> I can find some really, really effective external cues that I can give someone, yeah. whether they're face-to-face or over the screen, that guess what is going to give them that focus to figure it out for themselves, mm-hmm. okay? Might they get into that position a little quicker if I'm holding their feet? Yeah? Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Sure. But do I need to touch someone's body continually who has got into that teaser 50 million times on their own? No. Yeah. Absolutely not. This this has been interesting. I think, um, you know, as as you're kind of wrapping up, as you're kind of summarising all that a minute ago, I'm just thinking like, you know, when you're saying about um, your job is to empower fearless movement, I think, well, like, I think movement's inherently fearless. I mean, you know, look at cats, dogs, and wallabies move, you know, they they don't have fear about how they, mm. they just move. And I think mm. fearless movement is, you know, in a better world, we'd just call it movement, you know. Well, like, we would. <laughs> but, we would, but safety culture, Raph, safety culture, and we're going to, yeah. that's that's a, we'll talk, a topic for another podcast. Ne- we can talk about that next week. Yeah, exactly. but I, I think um, like the the really, ultimately, we'd basically do next to nothing to facilitate that for people, aside from the fact that there's all these like basically misconceptions and you know, erroneous beliefs that people have about having to do stuff to people so they can move properly. Uh-huh. That it's like, I think, you know, most of what we do as trainers is really like deprogram people about mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. of the things they don't need to do. Rather mm-hmm. than, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway, that's, yeah. that's a topic for another day. Yeah, so I guess with this discussion, what I really wanted us to do is I just wanted to – for our listeners, just to just to think about it, 
just to think about the whys. And and I say that to my students as well. When we're when we anytime we are queuing, we should think about the why. Are we just saying something for the sake of saying something? Are we just saying something because we feel like we should be talking at that moment? And if we're not saying all the words, we're not teaching. So thinking too, you know, should you be pulling on someone's stomach and touching their butt and their thigh and all of this to micromanage every slight movement pattern of their body? No, Mm. no. Does it help to spot someone when they're doing something like the walkover on on the Cadillac for the first time? Oh hell yeah, I would I would love you standing next to me, Raph, as I did that <laughs> with maybe you know some hands stretched out <laughs> just in case. Or front splits you know, or tendon stretch or you know yeah, like you know there's 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 a time and a place. Or Russian 100%. squats. Uh-huh. Well, you well, you know what, Ralph? I I challenge that too because guess you what? Can that start was with one all that I had. On and, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was one I'd 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 struck off my my list to teach my gang, and and guess what? They're now doing yeah, pistol squats. Sure, they've gone from Russian squats to pistol squats. So, sure. again, as as a movement facilitator too, and you build people up, right? Yeah. So we build build movement patterns up, you mm. know. So do that smartly as well, and you know, it's mitigating the need to touch too. So yeah. I just think I want us, I want us as an industry thinking about this a little. Mm. And I'd just like I, to finish off by saying, and don't forget, well, you know, maybe also to start to think about the value you provide not residing in what you do, but residing in the experience and the results of the client. And so, you know, providing more value is not the same thing as doing more. <sighs> Quotable quote. I yeah. love that. Good talk. Really great. Thanks, Raph. Thanks, Chloe. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So Rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 
12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.